from high atop 1926 Hollywood Boulevard. You're listening to SoFloRadio.com. Oh, yeah, good afternoon, everybody. Welcome to the Groovathon. I am Tony C. As always, I'm joined live in the studio by my man, George. Many talents. There he is over there. Nothing good gets done without a team effort, of course. Every group time center An attitude of gratitude. Mucho mahalo to everybody tuning in here in America and around the world. Thanks for letting me live the dream. Happy Monday, everybody, or as happy as it can be. Hope everybody had a good weekend out there. Hey, you know what? In the background right now, Jimmy McGriff, ain't it funky? Now, he's uh, he's one of the original members of the Godfathers of Groove. So, as I've said before, if you're not starting off your show with a song called Ain't It Funky Now, guess what? It's just not as groovy as this one. No possible way. Obviously, there's a lot of stuff to get to this week. Uh, and in no order of importance, I mean, we'll be obviously chatting about uh, episode one of the uh, year-long series that uh, my friend Howie calls Last Clown Standing, or otherwise known as the unending comedic joyride that is going to be the Republican debates for president of considerably more importance. Another subject I'm going to be talking about extensively today is the Iran nuke deal. Uh, The president gave a speech on Tuesday. Schumer came out against it on Thursday or Wednesday or Thursday. I've read his stuff. The actual deal is out there. You can read that now. But of most importance, guess what? The Mets are still in first place. How you like me? That's right. Still in first place. Can't believe the Cubs keep winning. This is this is going to start to remind me of '69, except in '69 the Cubs basically folded like a tent and let the Mets end up coming in there at a big lead. So now the Mets are in first place in the NL East, but the Cubs are ahead of them in the uh, wild card race. So this is going to be interesting. Mets playing great ball. That's what's really important. Of course, all of that is going to be surrounded by two hours of the greatest, most diverse groove anywhere on the air. Absolutely going to be able to get your RPMs going today with Infectious Grooves and Coliseum 2. I've got stuff from the Bobby Fuller 4. A favorite of George over here, a little in excess, get ourselves going. Yeah. Fabulous comedy, one of my all-time favorite comedy routines from Dennis Wolfberg is going to be in the first set. Lots and lots of stuff to get to. Right about now, it's a little bit past 2 o'clock in the only Hollywood that matters anymore. Hollywood, Florida, that means it's just past 8 o'clock on the Big Island of Hawaii, just past 7 o'clock at night on that blessed plot in Lytham, St. Anne's. And yeah, unfortunately, in uh, Turkey, there's uh, some violence going on. The post-Erdogan ruling uh, nation that it is, but still RCG handling my Eastern Bloc operations where it's just past 10 o'clock at night. Wanted to also do a special um, shout-out. David Shelley, a local uh, big-time blues musician who's in the band Bluestone. Uh, passed away this morning. Uh, a lot of people around here in the uh, South Florida area know this guy. He's played pretty much everywhere, from what I understand, and a lot of people posting about him. I know he's uh, friends with a lot of people. I've only met him once or twice, but um, he's you know he's quite the blues musician. He passed away of cancer this morning, far, far too early. So, Dave Shelley, R.I.P. You about ready over there, my friend? All right, there we go, baby. Hey, saddle up and stick around. It's the Groovathon on SoFloRadio.com. I got lightning in my pocket. 
most gift to hoop to boot, sitting in my drum loop. Pistol loaded and I'm ready to shoot. See, my gun is my tongue and it runs like a track star. Not Madam Chapman, but I got a fastball. EX double vex, but strong like sex. Cut the corner, hit the next left, reside to the west side of this hole in the ground. Not paradise, but a nice booming sound. Party packed with nuff heads. Some blacks and whites, some hood and some dreads around the club. With the dub that swayed them, the remix version is stepping to the AM. Played the club like a crumb to the curb, and his kids reached my palm and said, Word to the third, word to the third. Word the third, what it is. Word the third. Word the third, what it is. Word the third. Word the third, what it is. Word the third. Word the third stands true, so no panic. I flip my lip, I throw joints out. Out the box, I stop some force and doubt. Took your outlets out while I was stepping. Now you're slipping on my gold disc, you're flipping. On the third's flying fingers, I kept swab. Set the signs on the floors, your head bobs. Mom's a move to this, you ain't through with this. This ain't a suicide, so why'd you grab your wrist? I take the listen to the lyrics I formed up. Sliding in the green hornet as I warm it up. Cross the third is like a lyric dispenser. For higher like Spencer, but my trigger finger's tensor. For six cents, get loopy as a soul flex. Turn a soupy and ask which duck is next. Hooking phrases, clauses, nouns, and verbs. Stepping off, set it off, it's worse than the third. Word of the third. Word of the third. Word of the third. Word of the third. So
it is. It ain't. It ain't. It is. I myself recently had a physical during which I experienced what might be the most single painful moment of my existence. Uh, when my doctor inflicted on me a procedure known as a rigid sigmoid oscopy. Now, apparently some of you are familiar with this former Nazi torture technique. But I had never heard of this, and I couldn't believe they let a human being do this to another person without a formal declaration of war. My wife thought I had reached an age when it was appropriate for me to have what you call a precautionary physical. I'm uh, in my late... 30s, uh, my very late 30s, I'm 42. <laughs> or 3012, depending on your point of view. So my wife sets me up with this doctor, who I later found out had graduated from the Joseph Mengele School of Medicine, apparently as their valedictorian, who when I say gave me a complete physical, this, this was beyond complete, ladies and gentlemen, this was medical overkill as far as I was concerned. He tested me for things I did not need testing for a, a yeast infection. What, 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 are the, what are the chance I'm going to sprout muffins at any point during this exam? What are the chance I'm going to break out in cookies? This man is looking for yeast. He, he tested me for things I did not need testing for a sickle cell anemia. I, I'm a white Jew from New York. I don't need this test. And, and then the rigid uh, sigmoid. Now, for those of you not familiar with this procedure, it followed the hernia examination. The hernia exam was just a warm-up for this doctor. And I've had dozens of hernia exams, and occasionally they are moderately enjoyable. <laughs> but, but I had never had one quite as extensive as the one this doctor subjected me to. He was diddling and daddling down there for what I thought an undue amount of time. To me, if there's a hernia there, he should be able to ferret it out within 15 minutes. It's not mobile. It's not playing peekaboo. It's there. It's not, but he's diddling and daddling. This wasn't an exam. This was a courtship, as far as I was concerned. A, a romance. My wife should be as attentive as this doctor was. Now, at the completion of this hernia search, the doctor leaves the room, leaving me alone with his nurse, Nurse Ratchet. I, I don't know if you're familiar with this Nazi co-conspirator who, in preparing me for this sigmoid, asked me to drop my trousers and hop up onto the table in the middle of the room, uh, a request that made me uncomfortable, so I made a little joke. I said, you first, babe. <laughs> Thinking maybe a little humor might break the ice, but this was not a woman of remarkable wit, ladies and gentlemen, so in complying with her request, I uh, dropped my trousers and assumed uh, the classic horsey position. <laughs> waited in this rather vulnerable posture for quite some time, me naked from the waist down alongside this nurse. It was awkward. At one point, I asked her to put her ear there and tell me if she could hear the ocean. <laughs> we had come to a lull in the conversation. So we waited, at which point the doctor finally makes an appearance, ostensibly to perform this procedure carrying a rather impressive piece of medical apparatus, ladies and gentlemen, that looked remarkably like a Louisville slugger. <laughs> I had no idea what this was. I thought maybe it's a harpoon he found in a whaling expedition. I asked him what he was carrying in both hands, I might add. He said it was a sigmoidoscope, a camera, that despite its rather prodigious dimensions, he was going to somehow insert... Not 
silencer, but ram into me for the purpose of taking pictures of my colon. Now, ladies and gentlemen, I am 42 years old and never has anyone requested pictures of my colon before. I asked them if he wanted wallet size or an 8x10 party. that inserting something so large through an opening so small might create severe discomfort. So I asked him if this was going to hurt. To which he responded, and I quote, he said, you might experience a slight cramp, he said, which is somewhat akin to telling somebody in the path of a tidal wave you might experience moisture. A slight cramp. Knowing full well the incredible pain he was about to inflict, he should have said, you're going to wish you were dead, boy. You're going to wish you were never born. And at this point in the proceedings, with no foreplay, none, with, with no warning whatsoever, he launches this torpedo so that within seconds it was hidden. The cramp was in my neck. snapping picture after picture I couldn't I couldn't believe I started screaming like it was inhumanly possible to which Nurse Ratchet had the nerve to say you're scaring out other patients I've got the Chrysler building in me she's worried about other patients I said they should be scared they should know about this in fact run Jews run
Uh, yeah, you know, you got to remember with every Ramon song, every single Ramon song is between two minutes and two minutes and 30 seconds. They don't have a song longer than that that I'm currently aware of. You got to love it, though. I don't know how long, it, how it took me so long to get around to playing the Ramones. I don't want to grow up before that. Dennis Wolfberg, on his description of his medical procedure, the rigid sigmoidoscopy. Dennis Wolfberg is uh, one of those comedians died way too soon. We were discussing some yeah. of the others, the Phil Hartman and Sam Kennison. If you've, he didn't get as much... Uh, popularity. Now, if you're into comedy, and we are, okay, then you know Dennis Wolfberg. If you haven't had a chance, go online, look up Dennis Wolfberg. I've played one of his other comedy routines many, many weeks ago. He was talking yeah. about pulling into the intersection and stuff, and the you know the Oxford debate he got into with the cab driver. It's just, he doesn't have a bad routine out there. He's you know he's like he's, he's like Rodney Dangerfield. There's no way you watch him do stand up and don't laugh. Can't happen. Before that, third third base with Word to the Third. And kicking it off, one of my favorite songs the last couple of years. It's a band called The Bayonets. And the song is called What You Got. And that's got Ollie Lieber on drums. Uh, somebody I grew up with a long, long time ago in New York. We were both members of Shelly's All-Stars. So, what caught my eye this week? Because later on we're going to talk about, you know, the big subjects. But this week, stuff that caught my eye were, and in no particular order, I might add, uh, Texas... Uh, had a voter ID law, obviously. Let's see what we can do about getting minorities to not go to the polls because that could screw up Republicans' chances of winning. So they put in a voter ID law, and that got shot down by the Supreme Court this week. Yeah. Uh, another thing that went through this week, a piece of legislation that means, I believe, for fiscal 2016, starting in 2017, CEOs around the country are going to have to actually, like, you know, report, report exactly not only how much they're making, but how much of a multiplier that is versus the average employee of the country of the company. So they're really you're really going to get a very good view on the income disparity. The guy from Dunkin Donuts who makes four thousand nine hundred eighty nine dollars per hour was was yelping that fifteen dollars an hour is too much to pay. Right. Employees. He makes forty nine hundred dollars an hour. So. Obviously, there's a bit of a thing going on there. Also, for all the local residents around here in Fort Lauderdale and in the Davie area, yep, time to boil your water. Why? Because they found E. coli in it the other day. So until further notice, I mean, thank I live in Deerfield Beach, so I don't have to deal with that stuff. Normally, I have to add my own E. coli, so this actually <laughs> saves me money. Well, it's, you know, extra protein, a little crunchiness. That's why I like fruit flies in my booze. Corn. Yeah, corn. Um, and what else went on? The Dodge Challenger SRT Hellcat. Okay, this is a balls to the wall car, and it's fairly—it's basically a brand new immediate collector's item. The first edition of it, somebody bought one. There's very few of them. Then they auctioned it off at Meekum, uh, the Meekum Auto Auctions. The first one went for eighty grand. I can't even imagine what one of the original ones of this is going to go for. In like three years, it's going to be a two hundred thousand dollar car. If you don't drive this car and hang on to it, and you're one of the lucky ones to get it. You will—it will double, triple in value because I don't think you're going to make any more and. The horsepower on this is so ridiculous as to make it, I don't know, you know, you put this thing on a track and probably be able to go at anybody else. Other things that happened this week, hey, guess what? Warren Buffett just bought bought himself something else. It, 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 Trump changed for $37 billion. This is a guy, he, I'll tell you something, though. He's uh, it's a pretty forward-looking guy. He bought a company that makes parts for aerospace. They don't make the actual rockets and stuff. Right. They make the parts that go into the various spaceships. But he's investing in the future. He right is on. investing. Yeah, absolutely. And this is, you know, and this isn't, you know, Joe Blow online. This is Warren Buffett. So let's pay attention out there. 
Um, the Mets are still in first. That's really the most important thing. I'm not sure uh, exactly what else matters. I wrote a little note to myself because I saw something on TV this weekend. One of the things that I'd always known about this was that, you know, if you're convicted of a, a violent crime, murder, rape, any of those things, and you're sent to prison, you cannot um, then write a book and profit from that Correct. Crime. It's the son of Sam Law. It's the son of... Right. Is that what it is? Yes. I didn't know that. It's the son of Sam Law. And I guess if you make money on something like that, it has to go to the victims. Yeah, something like that, right? Something There's like a, yeah, basically, supposedly. you can't just... You, you, crime ought not be a path to riches, right. is what the uh, spirit right. of they, that law is. Okay. Well, I thought, you know what? Why can't we have a similar kind of law for anybody who is in Congress? Any representative... Amen. Any representative or senator, you cannot then leave... Congress, where you undoubtedly committed crimes, and yeah. go on to profit from them by going into the lobbying industry. Sure, absolutely. I, there's got to be like a ten. You know what? It, I don't know what it is now. It's like a year or two. They, I think they took away the moratorium. There used mm. to be like a one year gap, but now you can like leave office and the next day walk, walk right into your corner office, leave the office of Congress, go go down the block to K Street, get a brand new corner office for fifteen. It was it the the average raise is fifteen thousand percent? You're going to make fifth. Or fifteen hundred percent, fifteen hundred. You're going to make fifteen times what you made in Congress when you leave Congress and go to Lima. So Congress is a stepping stone to riches, and it shouldn't be. No, why don't they just put all the offices in the same building and save on gas? Absolutely. You know what? Why even bother? Why even bother bringing congressmen onto? I would love to see the Sunday morning talk shows, all of them, with nothing but lobbyists. They should invite lobbyists on to talk, have them, and bring them into the light of day. Shine the light on these guys and see what happens. You, you know, we always say eat the rich. You know my response. Eat their lobbyists. They're younger. They're as more appetizers. tender. As appetizers. I'll, sure. You know what? I prefer to have many, many of them. So it's like one of those little, you know, pick Like a poo-poo shoot. platter. Yeah, absolutely. It's poo-poos. <laughs> we love poo-poos. So that's some of the stuff that caught my eye this week. We're going to be talking about stuff that actually matters. And no, I'm going to talk about the debate next. And then later I'm going to talk about stuff that actually matters. Because the debate was meaningless. It was a meet and greet. It was political speed dating. That's what it was. It was political speed dating. Nothing of any consequence got said during that debate except for one thing. It was said by Donald Trump, and we will talk about that later. But before that, I want to get some songs. This one I know that my man George likes because the minute he saw it on the schedule for today, he said, oh, have you heard the remix of this? Wanted me to guess what it was, and I got it. I got it before the main song came in, so I'm giving myself credit for the I can name that song in so many notes, and it was a remix. So, of course, they're trying to fool you. But no, no. If you're a Grooveteer out there, you're like me. You're going to get onto this stuff immediately. Later on, I've got Screaming Jay Hawkins. I've got the Bobby Fuller Four. I've got Shredding Steves and Steve Stevens. And yeah, I've got some Madonna. Do you want to know why? Because it's groovy. I She's got some really groovy-ass stuff out there. In the meantime, we're going to start it off with one of my favorites. From their very first album, this is the first time I ever really was aware that this band existed and the lead singer, this guy, he hung himself, right? Michael For, Hutchins. Michael yes. Hutchins. He hung himself in Australia, right? It was an autoerotic asphyxiation. Oh, is that what it was? So it wasn't it? That might have gotten out of hand. I did not know that. I I didn't yes. do any of the research because I really couldn't have cared less after their first album because I didn't like anything they did after that. I, I did, but not as much. It wasn't you know like every like the cars. You know they just I know more, more commercial. Candy O was yeah, still yeah. good. Yeah, Candy O was still good. And then, and then what's his name? Shake, married Paulina Yeah, shake it up. Yeah. On the other hand, though. Okay, Rick Ocasek, yeah. ugly as right. sin. Married who? Paulina, Paulina Pozrakova, who is... Who would have married him even if he had been poor and not a rock star. Oh, I'm, I'm going <laughs> to see if I can say that without cracking up. That's one of those things. That's the benefit of yeah. being a rock star. It doesn't matter how ugly you are. You can Apparently still date not. and marry the supermodels. The elephant man. 
The yeah. elephant absolutely late if you Quasimodo and Cindy Crawford. I'm not an animal. I'm a bass player. <laughs> hey, don't knock bass players. I like bass players. Some of my best They're almost like musicians. They're some of my best friends are bass players. Shout out Paul Bay. That's for all them. Any event, we're gonna keep the groove going for you here. It's in excess off of Shabu Shuba, the one thing on the Grooveaton on SoFloRadio.com. Yeah, 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 yeah. 
That is actually the original version of the song. It was written by a guy named Jim Davies. He wrote it. Uh, the guys from the band The Sonics, one of my all-time favorite rock and roll bands, uh, asked him to write a song for them. And so he did. And then they re-recorded that. They they turned it into a Sonics tune for sure and put it on their first album, put it on their, their most recent recording, which uh, just came out this year. It's their first album in 49 years. Of all the bands out there that have been rocking, these guys sound as good now as they did 49, 50 years ago. They rocked just as hard. The Sonics. For that, Sly and Robbie doing the Marvin Gaye classic, Inner City Blues. I originally was going to play the Gil Scott Heron version of that. I went on a bit of a Gil Scott Heron thing. I was listening to various things. And so, um, you know, you're stumbling around stuff. And I came across that version. Sly Dunbar and Robbie Shakespeare, of course, originally from uh, Bob Marley and the Wailers. And have now done. They're the bass and, they're the bass and drums for all the cool shit that came out in the 80s and 90s. And uh, kicking off the set, one of our favorites, In Excess, the one thing, the one the one song I like by them, the one thing. So, what happened this week? It was the week that was Thursday night. I got the earliest birthday present ever. It came, came the day before my birthday. And it was the Republican primary debate thingamabob thingy that they did in Cleveland. Um, as I said before, this wasn't a debate. You want to debate? Go to Oxford. Right. This was a meet and greet. This was the political equivalent of speed dating. Okay. Okay. That's what it was. They 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 send you around. There's some of the funniest lines are like Ben Carson when he finally gets. He goes, oh, I didn't think you were going to ask me another question. But I'm glad you you found the time. <laughs> I mean, he had ten people on his stage. You got two hours, and there's a lot of things that I took away from uh, this debate. First things first. I've never been so glad to be a Democrat. <laughs> I've never been prouder to call myself a Democrat because I'll tell you something. I'll debate any one of the guys on that stage, any of them. I will debate them in a real debate where facts must be checked. Ted Cruz, he was in he was in the okay. Kitty Show. He was yeah. he was at the Kitty Table earlier. This guy was once named the best debater in the United States of America. He was like literally the champion debater. He went to wow. Princeton, and he was named. An, I'll debate him. I have no problem as long as it's fact checked and done under the Oxford rules. Okay, go 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 to the you know go there if you want to see what a real debate is. What occurred to me was from the very opening question, and, and this has been spotted and spoken about, really what they wanted to get rid of Trump. Like, Trump's got to go. Yeah. And from, <laughs> from that, what I realized is that if you're a Republican, or even if you're a conservative independent, okay, 
because if you're a conser- if you're an independent who's actually conservative, you're going to vote for whoever the Republicans put up because you're not actually a, 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 an independent or a Republican. You're just an anti-Democrat. Those that's the, that's that new right. party out there, and. You know who's going to choose the candidate for the Republicans this year? It's going to be Roger Ailes. Roger Ailes, Fox News, this was the clearest representation of Fox News being the the GOP's PR department. This was, it looked like a game show. Yeah. And and I turned it on 10 minutes before it was supposed to start because they actually started broadcasting at 10 to 9. And... They didn't know what to do. They were like, how's everybody doing out there in Cleveland? All right. Good show. You know, it's like they were warming up the audience before one of those late night talk shows. You know how the, you know, John Stewart or Dave Letterman or any of those guys, if you go to one of those shows, yeah. before the show, they come out and warm up the audience. They should have gotten one of those conservative stand-up comics. Dennis Miller. He's the only one that's <laughs> out right, there. Well, yeah. I said comic. Hey, he's funny. Yeah. I don't agree with him, but he's funny and he's smart and I disagree with him. And that's yeah. okay. And that's okay. Dennis Miller is funny and smart. And I disagree with him, and that's the way that goes. Okay, the things that were said were almost meaningless. Let's let's get one thing straight. The debate, in particular this debate, because there's going to be so many more, and they're going to try and whittle down the crowd. There's 17 of them. 17 yeah. people vying to run for president, none of whom stand a chance at winning. I don't care which one they put up. They're going to lose. Welcome to the new democratic age where you can't win as a Republican because you've pissed off more than 50-some-odd percent of the country. Yeah. At this point now, I figure that 40% of the, the country is Democrat, 30% of the country is Republican, the other 30% of the country is too stupid to know. So they vote by vi- they vote viscerally. Yeah. Okay, what's going to make me the angriest? And in the debate, only one thing of importance, in my opinion, was said. And it was said by Donald Trump, who, when confronted with the fact that he had given money to the Clinton Foundation. Like, that's a bad thing. First, right. first off, you know, how dare you do that? How dare you, in any way, shape, or form, support a Democrat, even if they're not in office? Right. Even through their proxy. How dare you do that? But he had done that. He had given their campaigns, and that when the last time he got married, yeah, apparently the uh, getting married three times thing, and once Newt Gingrich blew that door open, now it's Donald Trump's turn. That's why Donald Trump's running, because he realized that Republicans wouldn't hate him because they're complete hypo- hypocrites. So they don't care about the sanctity of marriage as long as you happen to be in one right now. That's why Phil, That's why Graham's not going to get anywhere. You can't be a bachelor and be president. Right. You can't do that. They're going to be fun. You know, How many Monica Lewinsky's do you think it'll take to satisfy him? Or how many of her brothers? Graham? Graham. Yeah, I was just going to say. <laughs> brothers, yes. Yeah, that's, He's that's, a southern dandy. Yeah, that's, that's, a guy, that's he, a guy who's into what's known as lady boys. He has lace on his hanky. He does have lace on that hanky. But it, Donald Trump said the only thing that mattered... He said, of course she showed up at my wedding. I, I donated to their campaign. I gave them money. He literally right. pulled back the veil on what everybody else there didn't want to talk about because the other nine people on that stage are some billionaire's bitch. He, right. on the other hand, is his own bitch. Right. You know, yeah, he, he's, a bitch he, he's basically his own bitch. And he, you know, he basically said what we've kind of all known, and that is modern-day politics, particularly uh, post-Citizens United, is pay for play. It's quid pro quo. And anytime you don't, you know, these these billionaires are donating all this money, you think they're doing it because they, they're thinking about international policy? They're not. They're thinking about their own pocketbooks. They want to know. They want to fatten their wallet. I watched, uh, I tried to find a clip of a great, great line from Martin Sheen from Wall Street. Where he goes, I'm just not the kind of guy who judges a man by the size of his wallet. 
Whereas apparently, yeah. I'm rich, vote for me seems to be. Sure. You know? And, nice bumper sticker. Yeah, absolutely. And my feeling on uh, on all of this stuff is basically, you know what, I'm going to play that song right now, and then you and I will come back and chat about the insanity that I've written down here. I picked out a song that I wanted to kind of break up this conversation with, and I found the perfect song. It's by Screamin' Jay Hawkins. It's called Constipation Blues. This is from a live recording he did. Um with the fuzz tones, and it's from a club in New York that doesn't exist anymore. Actually, maybe it does. I don't know. Irving Plaza. I actually saw a motorhead there when they crashed the airplane at the end of the show with their lights on it. That's one of the five loudest shows I've ever seen because Irving Plaza is not a big place. Um, but they did this show there, and first things first, if you're listening to this show and you don't know who Screaming Jay Hawkins is, I want you to lean over to whoever the closest person to you is and ask them to smack you in the back of the head. Okay, you done that? Good. Otherwise, I'm assuming you know exactly who he is. Great version of what I put a spell on you is also on this album. And, of course, the people on this album are friends of mine. These are the Fuzz Tones. I know them. everybody in this band very well. The harmonica on this is going to be Rudy Petrie. The keyboard's Deb O'Neill. The guitar! My friend, the frog, Alain Portnoy. Want to break up the conversation a little bit, though, with some classic rock and roll. Screaming Jay Hawkins, live doing Constipation Blues. The legendary Screaming Jay Hawkins! <laughs> can take much more let it go It ain't no three. 
thrill Keep messing with my will Let it go That guy puts on a show. Screaming Jay Hawkins live with the fuzz tones, constipation blues. Seriously, that's the song that I came up with, you know, to, to play in the middle of discussing the debate. Debate. I can't, I don't even really call it a debate. So, all of the other things that uh, that have come up. Um, Christy lied. Chris Christie lied in front of a national audience of a, they said it was like 20 some odd million people. Really? Actually, yeah, it was like the largest cable audience for a non-sporting event ever. And Chris Christie said that he was appointed as attorney, the state attorney general on September the 10th. He wasn't. He, was, he wasn't appointed until November. So that was a flat-out lie. Um, the interesting thing that, uh, that I thought was that one of them was that Fox News seems to want to get rid of the crazies. Now, their definition of crazy and my definition of crazy, your definition of crazy. Yeah. Okay. I think they're all crazy. But they want to get rid of the really, really crazy people. You know what they ended up doing? The polls came out over the weekend, and the three people that are on top now are Trump, Cruz, and the surgeon, Ben Carson. Trump, okay. Cruz, Carson. You know who's not in the top five right now? Jeb. Jeb Bush. Boy, the boy's been around. I'd love to see him fall down in the polls to the point where they have to put him to the kiddie table. You, you think they'll still do that? I mean, they basically supplanted Cruz with Kasich because it was in Ohio. And all of the pundits, the the... The people on all the stations other than Fox, everybody else said Governor Kasich of Ohio did a great job. He's the one that came off. He was the one that sounded like the compassionate conservative. Uh, if my daughter were gay, of course I love her. But all these kinds of things. He supported health care. 
et cetera, et cetera. So the Republicans hate him. But they're going to put him on. I said last week that him, I think when it all shakes out, he's going to be he's going to be the nominee. I'm going to I'm going to, you know, modify that. I'm going to put a little addendum to that. I'm not sure he's going to be the nominee, but he's going to be on the ticket. John Kasich's going to be on the ticket. They have to put him on the ticket. Carly Fiorino got a lot of uh, got a lot of juice out of this because she, you know, went to the kitty table and called Hillary Clinton a liar a whole bunch of times. So that brought her up in the polls. Everybody said what a great job she did. She didn't do a great job. She had a pre prearranged speech. So when they got to her, she had her lines ready. She's like, she lied, she lied, she lied, she lied. She lied about Benghazi. She lied about her email. She lied about the server. Server and email is the same thing. And yeah, did she lie about that? Probably. She's a politician, you know. So. Golly Fiorino, of course, that's the person we want in there, the person that tanked yeah. Hewlett Packard. You know, she should, I don't know, she knows about job creation. I know she knows about job destruction because she fired half their staff. Obviously, these are the people that put fun in fundamental. Yeah. yeah. I'm more fundamentalist than you. No, I'm more fundamentalist. I don't care about anybody. You know, this is that, that moment from the, the debate last time where the gay soldier came in and they booed him. Right. Fucking dickheads. How do you boo a soldier? How do you boo a soldier? Explain that to me. They didn't make. They didn't write policy. You don't like him. You don't like him because he likes other guys. Hey, this is the guy that's standing up for your freedom not right. to like him. How can you then, you know, profess that publicly? Okay, without him, you don't get to sit there and boo you, moron. Don't why you should, get it? Why should straight people be the only ones allowed to fight and die for their country? Abs- I don't think that's fair. The, there you get. <laughs> <laughs> I thought uh, one of the other interesting things that I, I caught this week was the uh, interview between uh, that Chuck Todd on uh, Meet the Press did with Ben Carson, where he was asked the question, do you believe that the Bible takes precedence over controls? That was, I think the word was controls. Do you believe mm-hmm. the Bible controls the Constitution? And he couldn't right. answer it. He wouldn't. He wouldn't answer it. He wouldn't answer it. He right. could answer it, but he, no, he really, I don't think he can. I don't think he, this is a guy, I don't think not any honestly. of honestly. He not wouldn't on, answer it honestly. Right. Yeah. He can't answer, answer that question honestly. Let's just get this part straight. If you can't, if you don't answer no to that question immediately, you should be disqualified from holding high elected office or any elected office. This is America. This is America. The Constitution takes precedence over everything. God gave us no, no, He didn't. This is one of those great things where the English, you know, there's there was a uh, thing written um, in the 1600s or 1700s where some guy said, you know, it's it's a great thing no matter where. The Queen's army has gone. God has seen fit to pave a path for them. I said, no, he didn't. They went in there and butchered all the, the, the native people, and that's what opened it up. It wasn't God. It was your brutality. Yeah. yeah. Very old school. Very Old Testament, these people. What else? It, you know, one of the things that, a, uh, that occurred to me was that, and there's an expression, and it really applies to both this to, to, to Republicans in general, and also to uh, what we're going to be talking about after the next set, which is the Iran nuke deal, which is really important. This is the fun part where we just get to, you know, shit yeah. all over Republicans. And the fun's not going away, folks. This is the gift that's going to keep on giving for another year. These people will have to scrape because now that 24% of the country thinks 24% of Republicans are on Trump's side, now everybody's got to become a blowhard. That's how you, that's how you get noticed. You, right. You yeah. just yeah. scream and yell and rant and rave the most ridiculous shit ever. They would be well served to remember an expression. It says, little is ever accomplished by the absolute shall. The absolute shall, which means yeah. you have to give and take a little bit. You're not going to get everything you want every fucking time. This is my problem with the negotiation. We didn't get everything we want, therefore it's a bad deal. Right. Okay. For Deal. 
negotiation. <laughs> right. Just the words themselves. I mean, these people would be very well served to not only learn how to debate at Oxford, but open up their dictionary at some point or another. So, you know, if you're not going to bend a little bit, you're gonna. What's going to wind up happening to Republicans is pretty much wound up happening to the uh, the prohibition movement. They were given chance after chance after chance to modify the uh, Volstead Act, which was the act mm-hmm. that brought prohibition into play. They were given many chances to modify it, um, to bring back just beer and wine, to do all kinds of things. And there were ways of getting around that you could get a prescription from a doctor, but they refused steadfastly mm-hmm. to give even an inch, and they ended up losing. That's what happens when you are not willing to give a little bit. You can't win every argument by being the most outrageous, the most fundamental, the most morally intransigent. Mm-hmm. Okay, And that, I think, is what uh, the Republicans are doing. They just think that if they stand as strongly as they can against everything Democrats want, that that somehow is going to get them elected to office, and then they can do what they want. Wrong. Congress. Okay, That's what we're going to have to tell Trump one day. You can't just build a wall, pal, unless you want to pay for it yourself. You can't do it unless you, you know. And now he's got the dough. God bless him. More I'll power to your wool. I'll build a wool. Hey, you know me. I love Donnie. All right, I'm a little bit rock and roll, and he's a whole lot of wacko. Yeah, I don't like. Him I'm anymore. a little bit rock. I'm over. I'm done. You're over with Donnie. Yeah. So I, I mean, I'm really glad that he's destroying the Republican Party. I do like that. I do appreciate that. But <laughs> there's all the, you know, the uh, I can't even uh, conspiracy theories. The Democrats put him in there as a plant. Yeah. Like you can, haven't you been listening to Donald Trump I, the over the Demo- last 20 years like anybody's going to tell him what to do? The de- Democrats aren't that smart. <laughs> right. Okay. Although the Republicans absolutely are that gullible. Yeah. Yeah. But the yeah. Democrats aren't that smart and they don't play to win. So I know yeah. it's a cry and shame that, you know, that's that's the thing. And we'll be talking about that later. I'm going to I'm going to want to get to the, the subject that really matters enough about this debate because it wasn't a debate and it really doesn't matter. It really doesn't matter. They can harp about it all day long. At the end of the day, Roger Ailes and his PR department <clears throat> at Fox News is going to determine who the Republican nominee is because right. everybody who votes in the Republican primaries, watches only Fox News. That's it. Or listens only to Eric Erickson and RedState.com or these people. Okay? And they're going to tell you who to vote for because most of the other people don't want to do the research. Mm. They don't want to do the homework. I, however, do the homework so you don't have to. Which is why we've got a great set of music coming up. Yeah, you know what? You can't go wrong with a whole bunch of bands out there. There are certain bands out there you can't go wrong with. And one of them is Jackson 5. Not Michael Jackson. The Jackson 5. Right. Now... I opened up a uh, bunch of stuff. I was over at my mom's place. She was cleaning out storage unit. So it was a bunch of stuff of mine. I found a stack of 45s, including the original on the Motown label of this. I got it when I believe I was nine years old, nine or ten. It's before I moved to Ireland, so I was nine or ten years old. Bought in New York on the original Motown label. I've got that. I've got, I found Cool in the Gang, um, uh, Boogie Down. Okay. Okay. Uh, and Jungle Boogie, both of nice. those. I have both of the original 45s on the D-Light label. The D-Light label. And the reason I'm pointing all this out is one of the songs that's in this clip is the Bobby Fuller 4. And it's the original version of I Fought the Law. And when I was working at Tower years ago, I used to drink at, uh, at a bar called Cannons up at 108th. And the guy who ran the jukebox up there, Steve, real, he had thousands of 45s. And he couldn't find this one. So I had our 45 guy order a reissue of it just for him to put in the jukebox, which endeared me to him for a lifetime. So we've got a great set here. Stick around. You're going to want to hear what I have to say. Chuck Schumer's wrong. I'm right. And I'm going to solve the whole Iran problem. I got this one. I got this one. Good. I got this one. I know how to. Absolutely. But before that, we keep the groove going. Jackson 5, 
on the Groove Without on SoFloRadio.com. Dancing until the music stops now Yeah
beautiful stuff there. That's Madonna, Secret Garden from my favorite album by her, Erotica. That was uh, produced by Shep Pettibone. He's a neighborhood guy from 104th and West End. It's one of the things that made that album groove. Before that, Bobby Fuller for I Fought the Law, the original version. A little Wall Street clip in there from Looking at the Abyss, kicking off Jackson 5, Dancing Machine. One of the uh, great classics. So... Now, it's time to talk about stuff that matters. As a matter of fact, you know what? George, you killed that background music. You killed the, uh, the new master sound. So, yeah, there's All no right. reason for that. This is, this is actually important stuff. Last week, on Monday, I did my show. And I've been talking about this Iran deal for a while. I am in favor of it. I support doing the deal, okay, for any number of reasons that I've talked about earlier. Um, and then it, on Tuesday... President Obama went to American University, and which is where JFK had given a speech about 50-some-odd years earlier, you know, when he was still alive. And um, he basically laid out why the reasons why we should, why Congress, mm-hmm. who has until, I believe, September the 17th, I think it's the 7th or the 17th, I think it's the 17th, um, to approve or not approve of it. Now, they can vote against it, but unless they, the, the goal right now is for Obama to get enough senators to have a veto-proof majority. He's got 15 on his team right now. I think he needs another 19 total. There's only one Republican, by the way, uh, Jeff Flake, who has said that he was going to vote in favor of it. Um, I've got part of the speech that he gave on Tuesday queued up, and one of the things, we'll get to that in, in one second there, I'm busting my boy George Chops. He's keeping up, though, man. We're, we're you know. Oh, it's all right. I know. It's um, fine. The first thing that occurred to me having watched that speech was it was nice to see the president jumping on Tony C's bandwagon because he basically said all the things that I had said before. We can't just go around the world and tell people what to do anymore. We're not, you know, that's called imperialism, pal. Yeah, you know, have a nice day. <laughs> we're we've, not we've, an empire. We've, we've basically been, we've basically been picking and choosing uh, who our allies are based on three criteria in the Middle East. Oil, mm-hmm. their quote-unquote fight against terrorism, mm-hmm. and whether or not they're, gonna, they're willing to house the Fifth Fleet. <laughs> right, okay? right. If you're willing to do one of those three things for us, then we'll be your friend. That's how this works. There are only three countries now that are officially listed as state sponsors of terror by the United States government. They are, you're going to love this one, Iran, mm-hmm. Syria, and you ready for the third one? No. You take a guess. Take a guess who the third country is. I don't know. Well, we made friends with Libya. Nope. So, yeah, uh, they're, they're done. We, we right. didn't make friends with Libya. They just don't. Yeah. It's Sudan. Sudan. Those are the only three Be countries. Be afraid. Yeah. They're <laughs> state sponsors. And the reason North Korea is not on there is because basically they don't have enough money to sponsor themselves. Right. They do their own thing. They do hey, their own thing. No Cuba can't, doesn't have I mean, enough right. money. And Libya has no government. <laughs> they, they're, they're, right. they're literally a-governmental at this point, so they don't know how to sponsor anything. So there's only three. You know who's not on that list? Who? What country do you think is not on that list for some reason? I don't, for some reason, not, not a good reason, Saudi Arabia. Damn right. The number one sponsor of terrorism in the world, the people that, are, that build all those madrasas, all those uh, the, the fanatical fundamentalist Islam comes from Saudi Arabia. Those, That's it. Those people were not, not, on, not on the terrorist list. Why? Eight out of the nine uh, hijackers were Saudi Arabian. Those, those yeah, Saudi Arabian. Fifteen of the nineteen. Yeah, Fifteen of the nineteen. I know. This is the thing. We love Saudi Arabia, and this is really a byproduct of the Bush administration at this point. Sure. Okay, these guys were totally in bed with them, and that's how come they led a whole bunch of the Saudi family. They were like the only people allowed mm-hmm. to fly in the days Yeah, after bin Laden's them. family. Yeah. So that country's not on the terrorist list. 
Right. Okay, they're so not, obviously, I don't believe anything. Whoever's compiling that list, I, I don't believe them. I it won't it won't stop Republicans I'm, I'm from not screaming down. and yelling and I'm not down with them. You know, yeah, I'm, hey, I'm not down with them either. I have read uh, Chuck Schumer, and that was Tuesday, and then two days later or whatever, Chuck Schumer came out and said that he was going to be against the deal. Now, I'm going to you know Chuck Schumer's against the deal. He Chuck Schumer's between Iraq and Iran and a hard place. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much. I'll be here all week. Or at least for the next, you know, 43 minutes or something. Um, he's the he's the, the number one Jew in the Senate. He's the big Jew. Mm-hmm. Um, he used to be Leibowitz. Now he's gone. So Chuck Schumer. And Chuck Schumer, you know, in New York, I believe there's one somewhere between 1.5 and 2 million Jews living in New York, which makes it the largest group of Jews outside of Israel. Mm-hmm. And he represents them. And, you know, APAC, which is the American-Israeli Political Action Commission, committee, right. something, mm-hmm. whatever. That They're against the deal. There's another group called J Street, and they call themselves, I wrote this down, a pro-Israel, pro-peace group of Americans. Sure. They're, they're a few. That's, that's, I'm on their side. They're for the deal. Um, By the way, APAC, number one funded lobby. Yeah. Uh, I thought it wasn't, it's not the NRA. The NRA is the know. most powerful, but the APAC is the most well-funded. Yeah. Well, Jews, money, banks, sure. We own it. Coincidence? Oh, <laughs> we own everything. Yeah. You know? why do you, you know why we own Hollywood? Because when they needed to invest in, when they went to talkies, they didn't have the money to upgrade all their equipment, so they had to go to yeah. Wall Street and get it, and Wall Street was owned by all the Jews, and when they when they said, well, we're willing to pay back the money, the, the Wall Street guy said, no, thanks, we'll just keep the studio. Yeah. <laughs> and that's why we get the movies we get today. <laughs> Ta-da! So it's you your go. fault. Okay. So, yeah, right. It's re- it really is my fault. It's me and my forefathers. <laughs> all, all, all two of them. So... The Iran deal, what we're seeing now is uh, Republicans stoking fear. Everything is about fear. And Republicans, let's get a few things off the bat first. The reason that Republicans aren't voting for the bill has got nothing to do with the bill, with the, with the treaty itself, the, right. the deal itself. Just it's because they don't. Obama. Yeah. They just won't vote for anything right. that he's for. So they're going to be against it. I guarantee you ask Mitch McConnell how, what's in the bill. It was in the, the deal. He wouldn't know. None of these guys right. know. They're literally lemmings. They're like anti. They're not Republicans. They're anti-Democrat. Right. They're not for America. They're not for or against a good deal. They're simply against Obama and anything he wants to put in there. Now you can you can say, well, Schumer's against it. Yeah, Schumer is a guy. I've got his statement here, and I'm going to get to it after we play the clip from Obama's speech. But Chuck Schumer and I, I wrote this earlier in the week is a man who is so obsessed with the adage that um, those who forget the past are condemned to repeat it that he seems to forget the fact that he is in a position of, of tremendous power mm-hmm. so that somebody like him who actually does remember the past is in a position to change the future. See, that's the part they don't tell you, that if you do remember the past, mm-hmm. you don't, you know, the, the difference between conservatives, to conserve, to stay, I want everything the way it is now, I don't want it to change, you can't turn back the hands of time, I've said this before, okay, these, if you're against the Iran deal because you think it's, it's going to make them, you know, that it's going, uh, you know, eventually they're going to get a bomb, what, what happens if we don't do the deal? What happens if we don't do the deal? Nobody, and, and now it's, this is a part of uh, President Obama's speech that I didn't include in the clip that we're going to play, mm-hmm. but he said something that he has said all along, and Republicans have never answered it, about this, about health care, about anything. Really? You don't like it? Give me a better plan. Right. Tell me something that's better. Explain <laughs> what your, so, or even if it's not better. More, more war. Or anything. No, Just fine. give me any alternative. Repeal and replace? Great. Replace it with what? Replace it with what? 
There's no answer to that question. Until right. somebody wants to come up with an answer with what's better for this, as opposed to simply not doing it, okay, then they should shut the fuck up. And that includes Chuck Schumer, who is nothing more than a pussy at this point. He is a pussy. I'm saying it. Chuck, kind of like you. Okay, kind of like you. Okay, I'm a Democrat, so I'm going to, you know, you get the benefit of the doubt with mm-hmm. me. Okay. But he pussied out on this one. He gave in to the hardliners, the Netanyahu crew that came over here that are paying, you know, and, and he's got to worry about being reelected. This is a very interesting situation, like so many, where people have to worry, these guys have to worry about being reelected as opposed to what is actually best for the country. Do you really think that the constituency voting for these people has any clue as to what's in this deal? The, the complications, the minutiae, the, the details, the complexities of a deal like this are so far beyond the reach of most people, me, you. I tried reading it. It's available. You can read the deal. It is online on the dot gov. I don't want to hear people bitching and moaning about how we don't know what's in the deal. We know. It's in there. It's written. Read it if you can. It's not a beach read. I'm telling you right now, this is not a Grisham novel by any stretch of the imagination. I got through about, I swear to God, I got through two pages and, you know, like, and just like Megyn Kelly, blood was coming out of my eyes. Okay, that was I, you like that one. That was my my yeah. funny quote of the week. There was blood coming out of her eyes, blood blood coming out of wherever. Yeah, she was caught up in the race, baby, mm-hmm. life in the fast lane. So I've got a clip from the speech that uh, that President Obama gave on Tuesday. It's about two and a half minutes long, and and I think this is important. We're going to get back to talking about this right after we listen to this. I want to I want to make sure that we hear what he has to say because this is important stuff about what our potential alternatives are and how things go. So if you didn't watch the speech, it's long. It's like 30 some odd minutes and it's Mm -hmm. worth, I swear to God, it's on YouTube. It's worth watching the whole thing. This is important stuff, folks. This is about the security of the world and our place in it and how we interact with the other players in it. So let's listen to the speech and then we'll talk about that in a second. Now the final criticism, this sort of a catch-all that you may hear, is the notion that there's a better deal to be had. We should get a better deal. That, that's repeated over and over again. There's a bad deal. need a better deal. One that relies on vague promises of toughness. And, uh, more recently, uh, the argument that we can apply a broader and indefinite set of sanctions to squeeze the Iranian regime harder. Those making this argument are either ignorant of Iranian society or they're just not being straight with the American people. Sanctions alone are not going to force Iran to completely dismantle all vestiges of its nuclear infrastructure, even those aspects that are consistent with peaceful programs. That oftentimes is what the critics are calling a better deal. Neither the Iranian government or the Iranian opposition or the Iranian people would agree to what they would view as a total surrender of their sovereignty. Moreover, our closest allies in Europe or in Asia, much less China or Russia, certainly are not going to agree to enforce existing sanctions for another five, ten, 15 years according to the dictates of the U.S. Congress. 
because their willingness to support sanctions in the first place was based on Iran ending its pursuit of nuclear weapons. It was not based on the belief that Iran cannot have peaceful nuclear power. And it certainly wasn't based on a desire for regime change in Iran. As a result, those who say we can just walk away from this deal and maintain sanctions are selling a fantasy. Instead of strengthening our position, as some have suggested, Congress's rejection would almost certainly result in multilateral sanctions unraveling. If, as has also been suggested, we try to maintain unilateral sanctions, beefing them up, we would be standing alone. We cannot dictate the foreign, economic, and energy policies of every major power in the world. And that's what it comes down to. We're not the only country in the world. He, he literally laid it out right there. It's a very important thing because we, we seem to think that, you know, attrition and, and violence are going to solve our problems. And first of all, how's attrition worked out in Cuba? Oh, yeah, he was, uh, the, uh, Castro's not in power anymore, and uh, everything's fine, and we have democracy now. There it is. We can't go around the world telling people how to run their governments. That's called imperialism, I believe. I'm pretty sure that's what that's called, and that didn't work out well. Take a look at England. Remember when they were strong? Not so much anymore. You know, I wrote down a, a vast number of things here. One of the things is that the you can tell that the warmongers, the the companies and the politicians that make money from fear, from war, are in full battle mode now because they right. started to put out a series of ads. And the ads are from, you got to love this one, the American Security Initiative Incorporated. It's not a pack. It's called American Security Initiative Incorporated. Okay. The degree to which they are stoking fear in order to get people to vote against this is, is almost unfathomable. And, you know, there's there's a lot of stuff that Chuck Schumer wrote, and I've got his letter in front of me, you know, uh, more troubling is the fact that the U.S. cannot demand inspections unilaterally. That's right. We're not allowed to do stuff on our own. By requiring the majority of the eight-member Joint Commission and, and assuming, and by the way, you'll see in all of the letters, everything, mm. I'm assuming this, probably that if you think, you know, if, let me base what happened, what's going to happen in the future on what's going on in the past. Well, what's going on in the past didn't have this deal attached to it. You know, they're going to cheat. Yeah, but wouldn't it be nice if when they cheated, we can say, well, we told you if you cheated, we were going to come over there and bomb you into oblivion. Now you've got nobody to blame but you. And that way we get the entire world on our side. We're not going in unilaterally. unilaterally. We're telling right. them, if you don't hold on to this deal, which we have all sat down and our signatories to, this is the result. Snapback sanctions, he complains, are difficult. It's uh, The snapback provisions in the agreement seem cumbersome, cumbersome and difficult to use. Um, he was saying that assuming that China, Russia, and Iran out of the eight won't go on our side. All right, well, then there's us and the other four people who will. We're going to win. We're going to win five to three on every damn vote. And everybody knows it. And if we don't do this, if we don't do this, okay, the rest of the country is going to go in there and do business anyway. And the reason we know this is because, and I'm not sure what the guy's name is, but a Russian, or no, a, uh, an Iranian general just went on a trip to Russia despite the travel ban. Okay. They're not allowed to do that, 
but he's there anyway. Okay. Now, this isn't because he's looking forward to a $50 billion windfall. And that's what they're going to be getting, $50 billion. In case anybody doesn't know this, by the way, for the last two years, the lead up to this deal has already taken place. Some of these things have already happened. We don't have all of Iran's money. You know that, right? Mm-hmm. Their money is in other countries around the world. And we can't tell them that they can't do shit. These are countries that don't like us in the first place. They're going to go in there just to piss us off. The best thing we can do is get the deal. And here's how I'm going to solve I'm ready. You're ready for this? A couple of years ago, there was a bit of an uprising. The youth of Iran, we were just yes, talking about yes, this. It's a very young country. They have a massive heroin problem. These are, as you said, they're Persians. You're correct. Ethnically, so they don't relate to the Arabs. They have their own history. They're not and, the children of Abraham. You know? That's right. And it's a long, long history, too. Absolutely. Let's try and remember something, folks. We're trying to go in there and dictate... Okay, to a part of the world, how they should live, even though they've been around thousands of years longer than we have. Sure. Now, I agree that a lot of shit they're doing out there should be dictated about. You know, we we, but we can't think that that we get to rule the world anymore. And the youth in Iran, we should be looking to foment to re foment yes. that. Yes. And the best way to do it, the best way to do it mm-hmm. is to. Do this deal because that way we're allowed to be there. We're going to have people in there. Right. And you think that all of our inspectors are going to be inspectors? How about we get a few CIA spies? They'll be able to get our cable TV. Hey, you know, they love <laughs> they love that shit. You I go mean, around these places, it. they're living in a tent, but they got a satellite dish. That's what ended the Soviet Union, American television, that American decadence. But this is how we will solve the Iran problem. We can't solve it from the outside, just like any other place. Okay, and we have a history of this. We we did it in Pinochet, you know, with Pinochet. Oh, please, oh, you know, look at if you look at our history of not good of what we did, particularly in places where we propped up leaders that the right. people didn't like. For instance, the Shah of Iran, fascist dictators. We overthrew democratically elected people because they were left and center during commie mania, and and and, and propped up horrible fascist bloodthirsty dictators. That's right. You know what you wind up with? Ayatollah Palooza. That's what you wind up with, Ayatollah Palooza. I told you so. I told you because they're going to go. The, the citizenry is going to go the exact opposite way. And once they put these people in power, these absolutely crunching fundamentalists. Mm-hmm. Okay, the the you know, I'll tell you one thing. I don't like that, that President Obama does. He keeps referring to the Ayatollah Khomeini as the supreme leader. Stop doing that. I know it's really it's almost not that you know it's not that important. very Rocky and Bullwinkle (laughs) definitely not but I just he's not the supreme leader there is no supreme (laughs) leader nobody no deity no person is a supreme leader okay at this point you know you got to wonder about people are like oh look there go my people I should you know I need to go lead them wherever they're going I should go lead them you know they already know where they're going but I'll stand in front nice try if you want to solve the Iran problem, you solve it from within. You solve it from within. You do what we did here in America. We foment a revolution on the side of right, mm-hmm. on the side of good, on the side of freedom for people, on the side of freedom for any freedom for people, freedom to say what you want, okay? To not have to be dictated to by mullahs. To not right. have to be sent to madrasas, to not be fooled into believing that America is the great Satan. And every time you, we talked about this a couple of weeks ago about the the, it's it's a show. 
do all these they're, they're screaming death to America. Yeah, it's two hundred people mm-hmm. paid to be in a town square somewhere in the outskirts of right. Tehran. They videoed it, cropped it, done yeah. it perfect. They got their signs, they've got their burning American flag, and now we can put that on. And guess what? Republicans were all screaming, yelling, rant and rave about it. Yeah, you see the, the comparison that President Obama made that made, you know, Roger Ailes and the rest of the Fox minions heads explode. He compared the hardline Republicans to the hardliners in Iran. Okay, mm-hmm. it's a deal. It's a negotiation. And the Republicans seem to think that if we can't go in there and get every single thing we want and allow Iran to get nothing they want, that's the only deal that's good. Anything short of that's a bad deal and we should take nothing. Throwing right. out the baby with the bathwater and, you know, fissioned bathwater, I might add. Okay. Sure. You said it, the warmongers. Military industrial complex. They Absolutely. want a war. They want to rake it in. There's a lot of money uh, that's at play here. Iran is a major player. Mm-hmm. Um, there's no way around it. They are a major state sponsor of terrorism. If we want to affect change there, we can't go in and order them. What we have to do is show them why change is good. And the way you do that is by being in there and talking to the youth. Yeah. You need to talk to the 20-year-olds. The entire region mm-hmm. is young. This is a young Region. iPhones are everywhere. I said this many years ago when the first Libya thing came out. I said the difference between now and then, okay, is the iPhone. We can't, you know, the leaders of countries can't rule with a combination of, was it Marshall McLuhan and Machiavelli? Mm -hmm. Yeah, right. That's what they're, that's how they have managed to keep their people in line. That and, you know, a brutal police force you know military you know uh posse comitatus like um way of going at things where you use the police force as an army against its own people sort of Mm. thing um you can't make people um change anymore by simply lying to them because too much information is available now um you can't just get on uh, you know, state television and right. rant and rape. Now, obviously, they can block sites. They're going to be able to block internet sites. There was, I watched John Oliver. He was talking about various porno sites that were, you know, blocked from some countries. Like, have you seen the names of these things? If you don't want people watching porno, let them watch this stuff. It's horrible. Yeah, just some of it was totally off. But the iPhone and the interconnectivity and the speed at which we are progressing, mm-hmm. not just as a nation, as a planet, as a species, okay, has made us, as I've said before, very, very impatient. Things that we used to be quite comfortable with taking time in order to achieve, we no longer feel comfortable with that anymore. If this deal doesn't get it done right the fuck now, I'm not doing the deal. Same thing with guns. Why would we ban guns? It's not going to help the problem. Not today, it won't. But 10 years from now, not banning them, but... You know, closing the gun show loophole, excuse me. That's going to affect stuff. If we start busting people for being straw purchasers, the same thing with this. These, if we get the information into their hands, at some point or another, we have to be ready. Unlike the last time, now we can be there. We weren't there the last time that the, the, the youth had a bit of an uprising, which was squashed. Right, yeah. Okay, <clears throat> by, the, <throat> by, you know, by the Ayatollah. Okay, but now we're there. Mm-hmm. We're there. We can get in there. They're going to allow us to go in there. Mm-hmm. We're better at this shit than anybody else, man. At corrupting You're, them from the inside? Absolutely. <laughs> oh, absolutely. Yeah. Right now, Republicans, get if they some, were really, really, really there, concerned 
okay, about the true safety over there. They would be twisting their mustaches and hatching a plan. Mm-hmm. And absolutely. Our, our friendly little brother, the CIA, bring them on in. I completely think that is going to be a good idea. I think the deal is good long-term for all of us. And in the long run, at the end of the day, I'm asking the same question that the president has asked on, numbers, on a vast number of occasions. Really? Got a better idea? Where's the better deal? As he said in the speech, there's a better deal to be made. Really? What is it? Sure. What's that better deal? I'd like somebody to tell me what the better deal is. I'm interested. If there's a better deal, I'd sure I'd be interested. But they, they're under the impression that the, the only better deal is the one that gives us everything we want. It's a, it's a negotiation. It's a deal. I used to be a professional negotiator. I used to negotiate with banks. I used to negotiate with law firms. There's spar and parry, give and take. That's what it is. It's why the TPP thing, you know, maybe it got shot down because there were parts of it that really were bad. But as I said last week, I'd rather talk before I kill. I'd rather talk before mm-hmm. I bring death from above in the form of drones. Sure. We have literally, you know, you ask people over there and time and time and time and time again, I see these interviews and, and Richard Engel was interviewing a whole bunch of people. You know, in various countries around there. And the same thing kept coming out. You know, why, do, why is there so much hatred? And he goes, because you're here. Not because you're just, yeah. he, not just because you're here, but you brought your army here. Not sure. just because you're Bases. here and you brought your army here, but because you brought yourself, your army here. And now you want to tell us what to do. We don't mind you being here, but don't, don't boss us. What are the people on the other side of the planet that live in the desert hate us? How do they even know we exist? That's, they, right. How do they, they know didn't we, hate they us would, until we gave them something to hate they or they were told? They didn't know we right. were also They're, on the planet until we went on the other across the whole half of the world to go where they live and start fucking right. with Right, and them. entanglements towards yeah. none, you know. Uh, friends, friend, you know, friendship towards everybody, entanglements with none. Yeah, that was great when the only way you were going to be invaded was like on schooners. <laughs> you know, they were going to come across with schooners and cannons and muskets. Okay, yeah. The times, they have changed. We are now part of an interdependent global society. Yes. Okay? We, countries, Like it or not. Like a lot of people, I don't want to mix with them. It's not even up to you anymore. It really isn't. It really isn't up to you. You know, if with the stuff that we need... Mm-hmm. We get a lot of it from around the world. We're not, you know, we may be the world's breadbasket, but you know, not for much longer out in California, baby. Right? I mean, those guys, you know, they're they're drying up like a shredded prune at this point. They're going to be a raisin. They used to be, now they're now they're literally it's one big raisin in the sun. That's what they are. Yeah, one big raisin in the sun. I had picked out a song that I was going to play. Uh, right in the middle of this discussion, but I'm going to add it to the drive group of the day. First things first, shredding Steve. It's uh, his version, uh, Steve Stevens doing his version of Day of the Eagle, which I figure is an appropriate tune to play after this discussion. Also, some other things you may want to read. 29 of the world's leading scientists wrote a letter uh, to the White House, it was printed, and to the New York Times, where they praise the deal. And these aren't laboratory scrubs. One of them is the guy who ran Los Alamos for 12 years. Another mm. one was the guy who invented the hydrogen bomb. Another one is the <clears> guy who's the head of the largest scientific association in the world. These were signatories to this letter. They think it's good. The rest of the world thinks it's good. The Republicans don't think it's good because Obama put it forward. Okay? If it was President Jeb Bush right now doing this deal, they'd oh, be for it. They'd be right. for it. And guess what? Democrats, except for the ones that are beholden to Jewish interests... For their re-election. Okay. But otherwise, Democrats would be for it. Democrats and, you know, in Jesus land, they'd be for it because they don't have Jewish votes to worry about. Oh, there are no Jews out there. I forgot. Never mind. It's Jesus land. <laughs> so don't be fooled, please. I beg of all of you. And I am your consummate New York Jew. I am a Zionist. 
uh, there was a scholarship named after my grandfather at the Hebrew University of Jerusalem. My family do- donated a lot of money to the Hebrew University of Jerusalem. I have many friends who are from Israel, many friends who still go over there quite often. Very good friend of mine and his wife were just there recently, and uh, another friend, some family friends of mine are over there regularly. I believe in Israel's right to defend itself. And Lord knows they can. If you think the CIA is good, they, they got nothing on yeah. the Mossad, baby. Right. Mossad's like the baddest ass. They got the Mossad the, and nukes. And nukes. Yeah, Mossad's, these are the people that still, to this day, take some sort of, they really can still kill people and do with cell phones. Yeah. You know? They call somebody and it blows their head off. I love that stuff. Come on, man. That's, you know, I, I'm, I think that's good as long as it's on our side, of course. That's, sure. that's, that's right. the whole thing. That. We're going to be right out of time, too. I want to get to the drive group of the day. Of course, you know what that means. Time for me to take care of the people to take care of me. And you know what I'm talking about. Precision Auto Works of Pompano Beach, Florida. My man Dave got a brand new lift. Got a brand, now he's got two lifts in there. He's also got a NASCAR in there that he's fixing. He's fixing like an actual race car. Somebody brought a race car to him to fix. Now, if you go and you go there and you need car work, and you should. If you need car work, go to this place. Mention the Groovathon. There is a discount involved. I saw Dave this week. He said, absolutely. You tell him to bring up the show. I will make sure that I discount my normal price on him. And his normal price is really good. He's good. And most important thing, the most important thing about Precision Auto Works is when you go there and drop off your car, and then you come back later, it is done right. It is done. What you want fixed is fixed properly. Dave and Tracy... And the entire SAE certified crew there, they don't need your car to break down to put food on their tables. They want return customers who actually have cars break down for things that had nothing to do with them. So they can fix it and fix it right, fix it permanently. 954-247-9362. You can always go to the SoFlow.com webpage. Click on the box that says Tony C's Groovathon. And right above today's lineup list of all the songs I played, you'll see a link for Precision Auto Works in there. Give them a call. No matter what you've got. Bumper to bumper, Dave is your man. Tool and die guy, too. I love guys that can build shit out of nothing. I just, I revel in it because I can't. Okay, there are many things on which I'm capable of a lot of things. That kind of stuff I'm not, and I marvel at it. I really marvel at it. So you know what that means. Time to get those RPMs up. I'm certainly redlining you with this puppy right here. There is no doubt about it. Day of the Eagle, Steve Stevens. It's the drive groove of the day on SoFloRadio.com.
take the sword, you can ride some dish, you feel like this legal middle. Like your mother, yeah. Infectious grooves, violent and funky. Those guys are actually uh, the funk band from Suicidal Tendencies. The Suicidal Tendencies, great punk band and thrash band. They um, put together a funk band, uh, Infectious Grooves. If you're not familiar with Infectious Grooves and you like that song, go out and buy all their stuff because it's all like that. It's kick ass. I've played some of their stuff before. I inevitably will play it again because it's just too good. And people don't know about it for some reason. I haven't figured it out. Before that, Steve Stevens, my shredding Steve of the Day, doing... Day of the Eagle, that is, uh, I'm not sure, he's got a solo release, he's got a number of them. This is his most recent one with One Man Army on it and stuff like that, great stuff. Steve Stevens, of course, the uh, guitar player for Billy Idol all those years. Also a fabulous flamenco guitar player, I played stuff by him. Hey, we're coming to the close of the show here. I have had a, a tremendous time, I'm really glad that I got to talk about the Iran deal. Um, and I'm going to be talking about it again, it's going gonna, it's gonna to keep coming up, and, and I really, I implore every grooveteer out there to at least pay attention to the, the, the surface stuff. Reading this, you know, the minutiae you can't get into. Forget it. It's never going to happen. 
It's just, it's, it's too, it, it literally make your eyeballs bleed. I swear to God, it's the opposite of Grisham. It's just struggles, you know. I, I, unbelievable. It's trying to read, you know. It's derivative. It's, the, it's, you don't like the protagonist. Uh, yeah. Pretty much that's what it's like. <laughs> But um, that's really important stuff. The debates, on the other hand, that's going to be the gift that keeps on giving for another year. So, you know, that one's not going away. Those guys literally, thanks. A big shout out to my man Howie for coming up with the term last clown standing. We'll see how that one wheels out. You know, I was really, I, I had written that I was hoping that debate would take on a little bit more of a celebrity deathmatch vibe. Yeah, you a little know, bit more to, more kinetic energy. Going I on. wanted, I wanted, you know, put them, as opposed to, we, we should put them all in a room. Just let them fight it out, man. Literally. Last Republican standing. Just let him duke it out. Fiorino would probably kick everybody's ass knowing her. But, you know, what can I say? In any event, I've got one more song queued up. We've got just a couple of minutes of bonus groove. I have been granted permission by the man, George, to do a little bonus groove. And I had a friend of mine on my mind uh, this past week. It was my birthday. It's one of those things where some people you get used to hearing from every birthday. And uh, I didn't hear from this guy because he passed away. Uh, almost a couple years ago. He's an old friend of mine, one of my best friends, uh, Polinar Solis, Apollo. And um, in my neighborhood, uh, during the summer, uh, up in the hundreds on the west side, if you were out and about uh, during the day, or even at night, and you're walking about, everybody's out in the stoops, the music you would hear would be uh, merengue, would be salsa, cumbia, if you're more of a cumbia man. And I really grew to really, really like this music. I like the fact that... Um, they use it's all actual instruments they use seven percussion guys 10 horns and you know it's 20 guys the Fania All-Stars which is going to be the final song uh, on this set today it's a Son Cuero y Bogalú and um, I've got another version of this actually this was written by somebody else done by Fania All-Stars it's been covered by a bunch of other people including Groove Collective and Brooklyn Funk Essentials as well Um, those bands have done um, variations on this Uh, Mr. Bugalu is here. That's the uh, Book of Funk Sentence version. Um, but Marengi and Salsa, you know, in South Florida, you're going to hear it. But it's more of a Cuban influence on that. Whereas I tend to like the stuff that comes from DR and PR because those are the people that I knew. I didn't grow up with a lot of Cubans. I grew up with a lot of Puerto Ricans and in particular Dominicans. Everybody's from, you know... San Francisco de Margaris and you know all that stuff and I really love merengue music um, I love salsa music I love the fullness of it all I like big you know you know where they come in six trumpets one trumpet no 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 they need the whole trumpet they've got a trumpet section and a this you know there's a guy the thing I like about salsa and, and, uh, and merengue bands there's a guy whose entire job during the entire set the whole thing you know what he plays the cowbell yeah man yeah man if you think we need more cowbell you're not listening to enough merengue where every song has got cowbell from start to finish the way we like it the way Walken would like it the way we all would love it in any event I've had a great time I'm going to come back next week I'm going to do the exact same thing again except I'm going to try to adjust a little bit better so on behalf of my man George over here say goodbye George goodbye George there you go as always from the groove with Don It's aloha. Peace. Good night, Mom.
Radio.com.